0: Welcome to the MindBeat Podcast by Effective School Solutions. I'm your host, Duncan Young, CEO of Effective School Solutions.
1: And I'm your co-host, Lane Whitaker, Senior Director, Professional Learning at Effective School Solutions.
0: The MindBeat podcast is the definitive source for all topics related to school-based mental health. From sharing best practices to highlighting innovative school districts to keeping track of legislation, MindBeat is the go-to source for educators and administrators looking to implement a mental health care continuum. Together, we can make a difference in school-based mental health care and in the lives of students, families, and educators. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the MindBeat Podcast. I'm Duncan Young, CEO of Effective School Solutions. And I'm Lane
1: Whitaker, Vice President of Professional Learning at Effective School Solutions.
0: Uh, we have got a fantastic show for you today. We have three Um, Administrators, educators uh, joining us today. Uh, These are individuals in districts that we work with here at Effective School Solutions. We have uh, Dr. Carrie McGann, who is the superintendent of the Flemington Raritan School District, regional school district in uh, New Jersey. We have Dr. Joe Malushnik, who is the superintendent of Wilkinsburg School District in uh, western Pennsylvania. And we have Jeanette Masso, who is the director of student services and federal programs at um, at Wilkinsburg. So, they're going to share with us a perspective on really the state of student mental health at the mid year point of this school year. So, really kind of getting perspectives from these two districts. And I know all of you who are uh, part of the school district and are, are listening, you're going to hear a lot that probably uh, resonates uh, kind of with you in terms of what you're observing. And I think you're also going to come away uh, uh, from this conversation with them with a lot of great ideas and insights as well. Lane, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm good. How about you?
0: Good. I'm doing well. As you doing well. Tell them a little volume challenge, getting over a little cold. And so, uh, and you, you were, you you and I were talking beforehand. Tell me your your go-to because I'm I'm, I'm striking out all of my home If you remember,
1: I was having the the last podcast we recorded, I was struggling with my voice at the time too. So this is something I go through about once a year. I do a lot of presentations, a lot of talking. I have found ginger tea is the bomb. And I don't mean like going and getting the tea bags. You need to get some ginger uh, root, smash it with a hammer, boil it for about a half hour, put in some dark brown sugar, and it will just make you feel so much better. Has it? Um, and if you have turmeric root, too, that's really great, too, for all of its inflammation. So your sinuses, any inflammation in your body due to the cold or body aches, chills, it just helps all of that. Even if you just have bad allergies, ginger tea is the bomb. But if uh, things escalate past ginger tea, uh, I am not a medical professional, but I will tell you that my doctor and I have worked out a, a great, like, what is it? I think it's the methyloprednisone pack, one of those tapered off packs. I think you start off taking like six a day and then each day you take like five and then four, three, two, one, so on. That is very effective. Within four or five days, completely have your voice back. Um, I have some other tips and tricks I can share with you too. Some throw lozenges,
0: gargling. I use
1: a neti pot. Are you familiar with neti pots?
0: I do. I do. I I, I have neti potted before. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's really effective, that. especially
1: yeah. for like allergies too, I think. It's cold good. And,
0: and it's, not, it's not my, it's not like my sinuses anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like down just in my chest, chest and voice yeah. box and, and things like that. So yeah, yeah I did a, uh, I, I, I got to go to like the Minute Clinic or something like that. I, I did also a, vert- a good
1: sweat, a good yeah. sweat yeah. detox. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's yeah. like if you have a gym with a sauna or just going for a run. But I think yeah. too that have Having a good sweat, hot yoga is really good for me. Humidifier
0: or something like that. So it's like sweat out that detox. It's a dry air right now that I think is is a challenge. So yeah, enough about my healthcare uh, woes. Sounds like you're doing okay. I
1: am. I just had a really fun weekend last week, and I went to um, Asbury Park for the for a little beach weekend, and it was super fun. (laughs) I didn't expect. I wasn't aware that the the next morning, on Saturday morning, our first like full day, um, there was a 5K Santa run for charity. So you saw thousands of people in red Santa outfits. And Grinches. Uh, one person's dressed as a Christmas tree and their shoes were presents. And uh you saw elves and reindeers, everybody on this 5K run for charity. So that was hilarious. It was good to see people having a fun time. I think I want to do it next year. That really inspired me to run in it next year. You figure 5K is only about 3.1 miles, so that's not too bad. That's yeah, like it's yeah, yeah. like a 30-minute run, even if you're doing like 10-minute miles.
0: Good stuff. That's so great. That
1: yeah. was fun. And then I went to a jazz concert on Sunday with uh Philly native uh, Christian McBride. Um, he's a bass. Uh, how do you say it? A bassist?
0: Bassist. Is that yeah. it? Okay. Yeah.
1: So he's a bassist. Bassist bass
0: player, yeah,
1: right? Yeah, right. And he had a band called...
0: Stand-up bass? Like stand-up bass. bass. Okay. Yeah,
1: stand-up bass. And he is, uh, his group is called the New John. So if you're not from Philly, that is definitely a... J-A-W-N. Uh, J-A-W-N John. Yeah. J-A-W-N. John. John. Yeah. So he said that he has to explain all the time why his band is, is called that everywhere else. But in Philly, we're like, oh yeah, of course. Um,
0: I mean, I'm, I, I consider myself a Philly native. I don't know if you asked me the definition of John, if I yeah. can tell you what the definition is really.
1: So I came to Philly when I was 18 and in college, it was like, that was all the, the that was the lingo. And so it's maintained. I think, um, I mean, I'm sure it predated me. This was in the late nineties. I'm sure it predated my arrival in Philly, but it is really, I think now it's in the dictionary. It's an urban dictionary, which I don't know that Philadelphians are really happy about. I think that we wanted it to be our thing and now we have to share it with the world. But, um, but yeah, so we saw him also because we had a disastrous, loss for the Eagles that day. He played the Eagles fight song, though, just because. <laughs> so that was fun. And funny. This, happen-
0: this happens all the time because we're recording this, obviously, at a time prior to when people are going to listen to it. And yeah. so who knows whether or not that will be a blip on the yeah. radar screen, you yeah. know, and we're yeah. we talking about the horrendous, you know, uh, Eagles loss to the 49ers there. or yeah. whether or not that-, that is kind of a sign of deeper, deeper pr- yeah. challenges of the team, you know?
1: Oh, well, I could... If this was a different podcast, I could go on and on about that. But, but for now, we'll just hope for the best. The
0: lack of a pass rush, <laughs> the inability to tackle, so things like things. that. So. But I
1: also do have some valid excuses for us. We had some injuries. We we had a really tough run the last couple of weeks. A lot of
0: fatigue. You know, yeah, a lot of we the were, team, I think.
1: The other team was much more rested than we are. But I'm not going to make excuses. We, we lost. That's all okay. right. We're going to recover. Should, should
0: we make like covering the Eagles like a secondary theme of this podcast? We should, should, we, should, we should be, start like, a whole could second Could that be a whole podcast. new segment, like the, Eagle, the Eagles Minute or something I'm with like it.
1: I'm totally with it. Um, But the other fun thing is that um, I may or may not have talked about this on the podcast, maybe when we talked about nut milk, um, but my son has had a lifelong dairy allergy. And I don't mean like lactose, I mean anaphylaxis since he was an infant. And so we finally discovered now that I feel like now I'm doing like pharma commercials today, Um, but but we found that Allegra has, uh, we used to have to use like Benadryl. Uh, after the fact, right? And then we kind of got smart and would do it proactively, but it would make him very tired. Well, now we found that Allegra has a high version. And so he now takes it every 24 hours on clockwork, like sets an alarm and is able to eat dairy. So this Thanksgiving, I saw my 19 year old eat lasagna for the first time, have macaroni and cheese for the first time, have all this dairy he's so excited about. He called me um, over the summer when this first started happening and he said, mom, I had pizza on the boardwalk today. Like, this is amazing. I see what all the fuss is about. So it's just been kind of fun, kind of living vicariously, having, having a dairy for the first that's time. My that's great.
0: <laughs> so that's been kind of cool. How about
1: you? How was your last couple of weeks?
0: Uh, things are good. Yeah. Good Thanksgiving. And uh, just a lot of kids stuff going on and mm-hmm. my daughter's finished up her first semester at college. So yeah. she'll be home next week, which, uh, you know, we're very excited about. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, but uh, all uh, all all good for sure. So living uh, living in living and dying with the Eagles like you, yes, and, uh, <laughs> the emotional roller coaster of being a Philadelphia, it's exciting time here. of year, being a Philadelphia sports fan. Well, I know we've got a, a very robust discussion coming up with our three guests. So why don't we jump into it and move yeah. on to our top three?
1: Top three. So this uh, podcast top three is top three ways to reset for the new year. You know, I'm the reset lady. So let's get into it. Um, I think this is this is for me, what I find resetting uh, for the new year, but, you know, to each his own, but I'll share mine. So mine is smart goals. Um, I think that a lot of times we start setting all of these like new year's resolutions. And oftentimes that can be really daunting. Um, You get really hype about it for January. And then by the time April comes around, it's completely waned your enthusiasm for whatever it was that your goals were. So think more about smart goals instead of this big long-term goal. Like sometimes we think I want to lose 50 pounds by the end of the year. And if you you can really break that up into what's just my goal for this day? What's my goal for this week? What's my goal for this month? And is the definition of a SMART goal, it's an acronym, is specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. So if you can do those things and structure your goals, and again, if you're just getting like 1% better every day, then in, you know the next year, you're 365% better theoretically. So just taking it one day at a time and having a goal for the day, the week, the month, and so on so it doesn't get too daunting. Mm-hmm. My second recommendation is to have some sort of, sort of a detox or, uh, or exercise regimen going into the new year. Um, so, uh, you know, this is a great time to, uh, towards the end of the year, we're having a lot of parties. There may be a lot of drinking involved, a lot of really decadent foods. So this is probably a good time to get into those smoothies or juicing, detoxing salads or whatever, and kind of just feel, uh, better as you start your new year. Um, and then I would say the third thing is self-care routines. And I just want to be clear that a lot of times we think self-care is why oh, I got to exercise. And if that is your self-care, then that is really a great thing. But I really think self-care has to be something that you thoroughly enjoy, something that really um, gives you life, that energizes you. And so that may be starting a new hobby or that you've always wanted. Maybe you've always wanted to learn play guitar. Maybe you, you know, self-care for you is mindfulness, and we neglect that. Sometimes it may be getting a life or a career coach, get some help into achieving some of your goals, Um, community theater, travel, learning a new language, but something that brings you joy and that is exciting for you, something that does not feel like a task. Otherwise, it's not truly self care. Could be good for you, but that doesn't mean it's self care. Um, so those are my my three top ways to reset for the new year.
0: Good stuff. Those are great, Lane. Thanks, thanks for uh, thanks for sharing those. Um, well, let's jump into in the news. article today is from the 74 million that we've covered uh, before a great kind of education website uh, really extensive article it's entitled to be a student in 2023 10 mm-hmm. teens open up about mental health the age of ai and the long shadow of the pandemic this is from a uh, researcher author named kara Pangelinen, uh, who is from the center on reinventing public education and the center for reinventing public education has done uh, a really extensive set of interviews with uh, both high uh, school and college students across the country and what this article is is really a compilation of quotes uh, from some of those young people on some of those issues that are mentioned in the title mental health uh, artificial intelligence uh, and just kind of the general after effects of the pandemic um, I'm going to couple. I'm going to touch on a couple of high points. Um, you know, some of the quotes in here uh, that were from students with respect to the impact of the pandemic, I thought were really, really kind of telling. Uh, there's one here from uh, Kesar Gaba, a rising sophomore at Queens College, who was in high school when the pandemic hit. All I saw for two years was black screens on Zoom. It affected my mental health. It affected my relationships within my family, and it really overall affected the way that I see the world. There's also a lot of conversation in here about the the, um, implications of students not feeling physically safe in their school building, and the impact that that has on on mental health. So even uh, kind of the presence of police officers in schools mm-hmm. and the presence of metal detectors in mm-hmm. schools, and putting aside the you know political conversations about you know different ways to combat kind of the the challenges of gun violence. I, I think kind of you know objectively, I think we can say that students with a lot of these um, uh, kind of new things coming into schools do do kind of have. Um, uh, emotional and and kind of mental health kind of reactions to them. So that's something that I think we need to- Staff probably too that I think we need to uh, acknowledge. Some really great comments and uh, quotes in here. I'd encourage everybody to uh, take a look at uh, that article.
1: Well, what I like about that article is that most things about pandemic or about the pandemic and the effects in the pandemic pandemic give you a lot of data on what the state of affairs is. But I like that they specifically ask kids, like, what has affected your mental health during that time? Like the thing about the dark Zoom screen, um, I could assume that, but that's the first time I've really heard that, like that that was really a factor. Um, And I wonder what are some other Reasons that people would give if you ask that question. What specifically about the pandemic has affected your mental health during that time, and now today in the aftermath? Hundred um, percent. That's interesting. I like that angle.
0: Okay, we well, have got three amazing guests today, uh, who I will uh, introduce. Uh, these are three practicing administrators uh, in, in districts that uh, we work with here at Effective School Solutions. The First individual I want to introduce is uh, Dr. Carrie McGann. Uh, Carrie is the superintendent of Flemington-Raritan Regional School District in Hunterdon County, New Jersey. Uh, in leading the school district, Kerry's uh, goals include fostering the social, emotional, and academic growth of every student. Uh, Flemington-Raritan Regional Public Schools is an organization that educates 3,200 students, grades pre-K to grade 8, the district has six schools with over 675 faculty and staff members, uh, and I, I know from the time I've spent with Carrie, she is an incredible advocate for uh, the mental health uh, of her students and for the cause of school-based mental health. She had an opportunity to speak last year at the National Alliance of Mental Illness (NAMI) uh, conference, and I'm sure she'll tell us a little bit about uh, you know some of her her comments as as part of the discussion today. Next, I want to introduce Dr. Joe Malushnik and Jeanette Masso. Uh, Joe is the superintendent at Wilkinsburg School District, and uh, Jeanette is the director of student services and federal programs at Wilkinsburg School District. Wilkinsburg is a school district uh, located in western Pennsylvania, just outside uh, Pittsburgh, and we're incredibly excited to have Joe and Jeanette with us here uh uh, today i I will point out with joe joe also serves as a warrant officer in the u.s uh, army reserve specializing in logistics a a skill which i'm sure is incredibly helpful in his role as a a superintendent Uh, um, i'm I'm kind of amazed that you have the time to do that and be a a full-time superintendent joe but thank you for your service and thanks for all three of you for being
2: with us today it's it's been challenging that's for sure but thank you
0: all right. Well, we'd love to we'd love to kind of jump into the questions today. Maybe you could start off by uh, telling us uh, just about your respective uh, school districts and, and just kind of a little bit of a, a profile. And uh, maybe uh, Joe and Jeanette, we could start with the two of you
2: and then Carrie will we'll move over to you to discuss Flemington. We're a district. Uh, we are responsible for probably a little over close to 800 students. Uh, it's a unique um Uh, operation uh, school system that we have here because in Pennsylvania we do, each community does have its own school systems, but due to the decrease in enrollment, we work, we have an agreement with our Pittsburgh public schools, uh, which is a high school near us. Um, We started that in about 2016, but uh, Ms. Mosso is, you know, she's the LEA. She works with those districts closely with a lot of our students with special needs. Uh, We, like I said we've been in that agreement for a little while but it also op- opens up opportunities for for our students um as far as it, our pre-k through six buildings we have two buildings uh approximately 525 students a pre-k through two building and a three through six building and right now in the process of possible renovations of another building as well Um, in a community that's, uh, socioeconomically disadvantaged right now, um, we, uh, probably, well, we're probably free and reduced lunch over 90% of our students. Um, so, you know, learning about, uh, ESS, you know, a year ago, I think it, it, it kind of seemed like it fit our needs, um, at the time. But of course, anytime when that stuff comes to me, I always share it with uh, Miss Mosso because she's the expert at some of this stuff. So I don't know if you want to expand on that. Yeah. Sure,
3: definitely. Um, In our two buildings, um, the primary building with pre-K through two and the intermediate building uh, with grades three through six, uh, we have school counselors in each one of those buildings, school nurses in each one of the buildings. And then also uh, we have a shared district-wide behavior specialist, a district-wide social worker, and then also um, a unique relationship that we've developed with a local social services agency. We have a service coordinator who's able to support our families and um, parents with any kind of community issues that they might have that would be impacting the students in school. So um, with all of those services, really um, adding the clinical therapy um, piece for our tier three kids um, was important uh, for us to begin to, you know, look at our students with the greatest level of need how we were supporting them while we support the rest of our students you know in tier one um, supports for everyone with the counselor the nurse the behavior specialist tier two a little bit more specialized with our social worker and school psychologist and adding this piece has really been um, important for us
0: that's great thanks jeanette for for sharing that carrie could you share a little bit about flemington raritan and just a quick profile of the district
4: Sure, Duncan, I'd love to. So for Flemington-Raritan, we are in the northeast, uh, central part of New Jersey. We have close to 3,200 students here pre-K through grade 8 i We've got 675 staff and faculty members, six buildings, uh, free and reduced lunch. We're at about 20 percent. Special education also at 20 percent. And our multilingual learner percentages have increased over 200% in the past five years, uh, starting at about 100 students five years ago to upwards of 225 students. And for us, uh, the support for students with mental illness we know is very important because if we look statistically at where students are first identified with mental illness, we know that 50% of that illness starts before their age of 14. So we have a lot of people in place here in Flemington Raritan to support not only our students, but also our faculty and staff.
1: Thank you so much for being here today. We really appreciate having you and thank you for the profiles of your districts. So now I'm curious, during your tenures at your respective districts, what has sort of the uh, the mental health um, uh, trend been over the, the past few years, maybe pre-pandemic and the current state of affairs? Could you share
4: with us? So what we've seen in Flemington-Raritan is certainly the COVID pandemic shone a spotlight on our students and the struggles that not only the students were having, but the families were having with mental illness. Uh, we saw, fortunately, a lot of people reaching out for support. Um, but what we've noticed is that the aspects of what families need cannot be provided to them in our community. And so that had to turn into our school district. Uh, what we've seen is Major incidences with behavior of students, uh, anxiety, difficulty with social skills, uh, anxiety and depression, trauma has gone up, bullying, avoidance of school, and percentages have increased in the past four years from 30% of our students struggling with those behaviors I just listed to upwards of 50% with students struggling with behavior and anxiety and depression has also reached limits of 65% of our students saying that they have trouble with anxiety and depression.
1: And, and I'm just wondering too, would you say what would you say about the state of mental health for your staff as well?
4: It's not in a good place, and we saw that during COVID, so that when we had some federal guidelines being put in place where teachers, faculty, and staff members were allowed to take time off and not be penalized, we saw that uh, increase. And now we, fortunately, because of the mental health stigma, while it's still there, it is lessened a bit. People are willing to ask for help. So it's not just students we're supporting, it's our staff and faculty as well.
2: Thank you. Joe. I know for our district, it's the same. Um, for our communities, for the region, um, post-COVID has been a struggle just for our students, our families, our staff. Um, so we've been, you know, and one thing point of emphasis that I tried to, you know, let our, all, all facets of our community know is, you know, we got to take care of ourselves emotionally, physically, if we're going to be effective for our students here at the school. Um, so we saw the need right away. Um, unfortunately, also at the same time, you know, we, we saw a mass exodus across the region um, in, in the profession itself, in the education profession itself. Uh, COVID, I think, uh, it, it, you know, expedited that and, and it, it made the problem even larger. Um, and it's the first time in the state of Pennsylvania that we've ever had shortages, whether it be educators whether it be, you know, school psychologist, every position, it's the first time we've seen in the history of Pennsylvania, an actual shortage. Um, So which has made the stress even more on our teachers. I mean, if somebody takes off, we don't even have the subs, you know, to to take care of, to support those classrooms. So then they're doubling up, adding to the stress. um, And and it's been a challenge, Uh, so, you know, you know, learning about ESS last year. And and, and at the same time, and I got to give Miss Mosso credit on here, she came into the district last the summer of 2022, no school psychologist, no uh, social worker, no behavior support uh, specialist in the district. She didn't have much to work with. And most of the year, we couldn't find anybody. Uh, we worked the majority of the year without those positions. And You know, we lost two students last year um, to a house fire, which added some more stress to the Mm. staff and the students. Mm. Um, So it's been a tough, very tough couple couple of years in the profession in our district Um, to the point even at the end of the year. Last year, we just had a teacher appreciation week, just a wellness day and brought some people in from like our local hospitals and and just to support our staff and about taking care of themselves, using making sure we're using our EAP process appropriately, um, and that we're here just to support them along the way. And that that includes, you know, and and I know Miss Masso mentioned our HSAO coordinator, making sure we're yeah we're addressing these our students, but our staff and our families as well. Uh, it's been uh, you know those have been some you know important things we have to take care of because if if our families and our teachers are stressed. We can't do the job to support our students. And it just makes the problem even worse.
3: Definitely. I I agree with all that. And one way that we've tried to address this and really get more specific information on, you know, what it is that is, you know, what's the cause of the stress? How can we alleviate the stress? Uh, We started with our students using a universal screener for them uh, about student attitudes towards school and self. And it's really uh, highlighted some of the areas where we need to support students more, where we can improve. Um, It's shown us some things that we know to be true, you know, uh, as far as adolescent and development so our kids are still experiencing some of the same things you would expect them you know to experience at different ages and different phases. But this universal screener has been really important for us because the teachers administer the screener. Um, in the younger grades it's read aloud to the students, the older grades, the students um, you know read it for themselves. But we've gotten a lot of great data on how students, you know, feel about their abilities as learners, how they feel about the ability to find support when they need it. Um, do they have um, trusted adults and individuals in the building they can go to? And then um, how effective do they feel as, you know, themselves as a learner? So it's it's been one way that we've been gathering data on this because there is, you know, this this nationwide crisis that we're all experiencing. But how do we get to um, really what we need to do, what we need to implement to support our students is, is what we're after.
0: That's great, Jen. And that, that, I'm, I'm so excited to hear that you're using that universal screen, right? It's something we're starting to see kind of emerging in, in many districts. What, what screen are you using, just out of curiosity?
3: It's the pass,
0: the pass. Got it. Got it. And, that, and it sounds like especially with you coming in with kind of a um, a, a lot of things to build, that probably is giving you a lot of data to determine kind of where you focus first and, and what you begin with. Um, so, I mean, to, to build on that, when you started with your with your role, it sounds like you built a, a lot in the last. 18 months or so since you've, since you've been in the role, how did you, how did you kind of analyze the situation and how did you know where to, where to start? What was the, what was kind of the, what emerged to you as the most urgent area and the place where you wanted to kind of begin this journey of building out your continuum?
3: Um, Definitely uh, working with Dr. Malishnik and the administrative team um, to see, you know, uh, where they're, you know, again, what are their goals? What is, you know, what is our vision, you know, for each school year? And then working with the teacher teams um, as a special ed director. I was in classrooms and, you know, in the buildings, um, you know, here in the district and also in our partnership with Pittsburgh Public. So um, just really getting to know teachers and seeing how things were going in their classroom, where they needed support, we too saw a lot of the behaviors, a lot of you know student frustration, a lot of students um, unable to stay in area, a lot of you know uh, elopement and concerns like that. Um, so we really had to drill down and get the behavior specialists involved to start doing functional behavior, you know, assessments and look at, you know, what's, you know, what's causing the behavior. How do we um, support the students when they're demonstrating that they need something, they, they need something that, you know, we need to, to support. So really just getting into the classrooms and getting into the schools was helpful for me.
0: Thanks awesome. for that. Um, Carrie, how about how about you in terms of building out your continuum? And I know I know you, you've got a great team kind of working with you there, kind of in the in the district. But how did you work as a team to analyze kind of you know how how you built out your continuum and what does your continuum look like kind of district wide right now?
4: So for us in Flemington, Raritan, we we know the need is real. Uh, we hear Joe and. Jeanette talking about that. And I go back to the poll that effective school solutions released about a year ago. I think it was the Zogby poll where we, you released information and it told us that 90% of administrators and 60% of parents believe that there's this growing mental health crisis. And 60% of administrators say the problem is worse a year ago than it was the prior year. And I bet if we polled again today, they would continue to say, but it's still troubling and we as school district administrators have to have this comprehensive school mental health systems it's a critical strategy mm-hmm. for us in order to have positive outcomes what we've done here as far as a continuum is we've been putting in all of our school sensory spaces to allow our students to go in and have a cool down space they're called different things in different schools some call them a sensory space some call them a zen den Um, it's provided and staffed by school psychologists school social workers behaviorists, teachers but to joe's point the the difficulty of staffing right now is severe uh, with When we have teachers that go out, being able to find a staff member, a school psychologist that can come in and build those relationships with students is, is very difficult. So for us, these sensory spaces have been a very important place for our students because they need a place, like Jeanette said, they need a place to just go and cool down and recenter uh, rather than having their behaviors be distributed out in a way that is not conducive to helping them de-escalate
0: yeah Carrie and Joe and Jeanette I've been I've been really surprised I think in the last two or three months at the um, number of administrators superintendents directors of special service that I've spoken to that have indicated that this is kind of as worse as it's been as bad as it's been with behaviors anxiety depression post-COVID and I guess in my mind I would have thought that maybe we would have seen the most acute challenges uh Uh, maybe in the 12 months after the closures kind of ended but here we're probably three years out at this point and we're still seeing some of this um you know i i I somewhat attributed it to maybe like the the social emotional chickens coming home to roost like students lost so much developmental time and 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 for some young people that's only just catching up with them now like what would you attribute that like a do you you agree with that statement and and secondly what would you attribute that to what do you think is going on behind the scenes here uh maybe joe starts you.
2: Oh, I agree. And I'll I'll let Jeanette comment. I, I, Carrie made a great point. It was that it wasn't that first 12 months after uh, that we really noticed it. It was the year, another, you know, 18 months, two years after. I mean, we're seeing it more now than last year some behavior, social, emotional problems. And then I think that combination of just not having the staffing to support it. And we're a district. I give uh, Dr. McCann credit. I mean, that's a large district. I mean, we're a very small district, small class sizes, and we still have the, we recognize that we have these needs that we have to address because, you know, the academics is one thing, but if we can't, you know, address their social and emotional needs, the academics is, you know, it's it's not going to be attainable. So we got to address those needs first. And Jeanette,
3: and we look at, say, our fourth graders and thinking about these are the students who um, had half of kindergarten, um, you know, in a school building and then were home for the next half of the year. And then we were virtual here for almost the, the next entire year up until the four, beginning of the fourth nine weeks. So these were students that, um, you know, just with uh you know, compliance with um, learning, you know, printing, um, learning school routines and everything did not have that experience. So they're coming back to us um, older with some habits that really aren't you know, as pro you know pro social habits or you know school positive types of behaviors. So we're reteaching a lot of that. So whenever we look at that, we're seeing things coming up with OT with handwriting concerns. Um, with we have a lot of lot more students than we used to have who like to stand at their desks. We have flexible seating in both of our buildings, so that we have to respond to that. That I'd rather have a student sitting on you know some kind of um, you know sofa in one of our classrooms doing work than you know leaving the room. And avoiding that work. So we've had to become much more flexible with things like that. And just, just that's the, the very basis of it. There's so much more to it.
1: You bring up such a great point because one of the things I think is dysregulating teachers is that we have an expectation from our past that learners should be giving us their focus, looking at us, eye contact, sitting still. And as you just described, that's not what's working for kids nowadays. Some kids need to be rolling around on the floor during their lesson at the carpet. Some kids do need to be standing and that doesn't mean that they're not paying attention. That means that they need to be in their body to pay attention. And I think that can be dysregulating for adults. Um, And so I really appreciate how all of you have mentioned different strategies that you're using for regulation. I'm known as the reset lady uh, because I just think that if you're born in the 1900s, like myself, uh, resetting or self-regulation was not something we thought about a lot. And so uh, we've sort of been white knuckling it through life. And uh, now it's caught up to us that we have got to be more aware of our our own dysregulation and how it's dysregulating to our students and children. So I appreciate that a lot. Um, I'm wondering... What challenges you've had maybe implementing some of these changes and best practices for mental health? Because uh, you're talking about holistic education now, right? Where I think a lot of teachers or too are just used to coming to school and I want to teach math and that's it. And now we're really asking for um, adults to be providing holistic education uh, so that we can eventually get back to academic rigor. So what strategies have you been using and, and what barriers or challenges have you run into as you're implementing those things?
4: I think for us, uh, the the barrier is going back to mental health stigma and mm-hmm. people not uh, thinking that just because you're struggling with mental health that you cannot learn. And for us, we, we resonate so strongly on the statement from our surgeon general who he gave the example about if you've got a thousand students in a high school and think about 450 of them, are persistently hopeless, and 200 of them are seriously considering suicide. That Those kind of statistics, when we share them with faculty and staff, you can't help but think about the students that are in front of you every day. So we've been really working hard to eliminate this mental health stigma, letting teachers know that there are students that are struggling and how do we help them so that they can prepare themselves to learn because if you don't focus on that first and foremost they're not in a place where they can begin to learn so we've We've really been working on that, and that means educating our teachers and faculty. It means that we're providing professional development using experts in the room that are both in district and looking outside of the district to companies such as Effective School Solutions and other healthcare partners, bringing nurses and doctors. And that's been important for us because the teachers need to understand the children in the room so that they can respond to them effectively. Mm. Jo and Jeanette, do you have any
2: Comments on that? Yeah, so similar to us, it's funny, like working in the civilian world and the military world, you know, the military seems like it's more moved ahead faster on the mental health stigma, where before you didn't want to mention it because it might affect your promotions in your career. The last decade, you know, they've been working towards, you know, um, you know, overcoming that stigma of saying, Hey, I need help. I need to speak with somebody, I need to talk with somebody. And I think our wellness day last year help teachers, let them know, you know, we did simple things as just, uh, you know, yoga, you know, and, and, and just breathing techniques and who to reach out to. And because we got to remember, you know, not only is the stress during the day for some of our staff, but they have things going on in their own personal lives too, that could be impacting their day. So we have to remember that, you know, it's, it's bigger than just what's in our building. And we've now, you know, over the last few months, we've worked with a community health organization where they have a travel. It's like a a bus, you know, for any medical support they might have, dental support they might need. So we've just got that, you know, finalizing those details there where they're going to come to our school a couple of times a month. And that'll be a hub for our not only our students, but for our families as well. Um, So uh, so it'll be like a, you know, a continuity of care for them, uh, for our students, uh, you know, and our community as well. So um, just trying to think of any possible ways to allow you know our staff or students or community you know that we're we're here for you because again we have to take care of those needs first before we can impact the academics uh, of our students any you know so jeanette um
3: i i would just agree you know with all of that and i think it goes back to what dr McGann said at the beginning that we're bringing these services into the districts and finding that um you know we're looked to upon you know, more and more to provide these things for our students. And again, we're happy to do it, but there is that shift for teachers to understand that we do need students pulled for different services, that they will have time out of class um, and away from instruction in order to receive you know, their therapy. We have students having therapy weekly. We have some students with other agencies coming in to support them. So um, a thing that we've noticed here too is it also makes the classroom look a little different, like I said, with flexible seating and kids standing but we also are lucky now that we do have more adults in the room with our students. You know, we'll have our service coordinator doing observations. We have the social worker able, social worker able to come in and work with a student who maybe had been out of the classroom in the hallway. Um, she's kind of had, helped him to refocus and, you know, bringing the student back into the classroom and the behavior specialist and working to make sure that our classroom management plans are implemented. So again, all these adults, I think that's been changing over the past decade too, that we have more and more grown-ups in the classroom. Um, sometimes it works really well. Other times you can see there's a busyness that, that is challenging for teachers. So we really are celebrating the fact that our teachers are welcoming to all of these additional staff members and you know, using them for support and also learning from them because that's been a big issue for us. How can we all learn together to, you know, do what the social worker did to help this student today so that we don't have to call her in, you know, tomorrow. The next day. So it's really sharing all of our techniques and strategies to support our students.
0: Oh, I love you Joe it.
4: and Jeanette, I, I don't know what, what it's like for you in Pennsylvania, but one of the things that I find it so challenging here as a superintendent is the public perception on test scores, right? We've got to recover from the pandemic. We have to address student learning loss. And yes, right, we are. But we also have this other huge issue that we have to address, which is student mental health and helping the public understand that Yes, test scores are important, and yes, student achievement is very important to us, but there's more than just helping students with academics. It's also helping them with their mental health wellness. So I don't know if you're dealing with that, Joe and Jeanette, where you are, but I'm certainly dealing with that in the state of New Jersey and my community because the focus is academics. Let's get the kids back up where they are, but I'm also speaking with them about, yes, but we also have these other challenges that we're dealing with that we haven't had to deal with before in the capacity that we're having to deal with today. How about, do you you have to deal with that as well?
2: Yeah, you know what, we just gave another data presentation to our board and um, over the last year, I I gotta give Jeanette and her team a lot of credit. They've provided a lot of good information and data. Even when Jeanette was proposing, um, you know, utilizing ESS, by the time she was done presenting it, um, it was a it, we had no questions, no concerns. The board, the board bought in right away. You know, she did, so that's why I let her in charge because I knew she would do it better than me. <laughs> um, but yeah, some of those questions came up because you know a lot of our you know board and even you know community we're we're unfortunately we're judged on test scores a lot of times and you know thinking that now it's been a couple years out of of COVID. Um, even though it's still there, but the, the pandemic at the time, the height of the pandemic, even though it's been a couple of years out, a lot of people are thinking, oh, okay, we should start seeing, you know, even better test scores now, you know, uh, uh, an increase in proficiency and things like that. But as we just talked earlier, some of those behaviors, we didn't notice until 18 months later, two years later. This is going to be an ongoing process. And I keep reminding our board is, you know, the ultimate goal is, making sure that they have the knowledge, skills, and insights to be ready for, you know, work, college, military, whatever, their senior year. So I think our goal as educators, and I remind my board of this and and, and the community of this, is our goal is try to continue to close those SEL gaps and those academic gaps um, over the next 12 years. So we may not see it now sometimes, but the ultimate goal is at the end of those 12 years. So yeah, I, I agree 100% with you on that.
1: I would agree and too. Think, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Jeanette.
3: I think too, looking at uh, you know what is learning loss and how do we, again, we're always talking about closing gaps, but how do we measure the learning loss in terms of wanting to move our students forward so that we're able to take those standardized tests on grade level and perform you know, to the expected levels while we know our students are, are behind. They have missed instruction and they've missed um, a lot of you know, time in the classroom. So I, I um, understand all those challenges and we, we do feel it here because that, that is a measure that, um, that, that we're held to.
1: Uh, I just want to tell you that the Maslow's hierarchy of needs really is applicable here. <laughs> and that as much as we would love to get back to academic rigor until these essential basic human needs are addressed, we're just not going to get there. So I really appreciate your focus on, you know, Maslowing before you bloom. Um, and hopefully and, and I, I also just want to share we work with so many districts across nine states and that the sentiments you're sharing with regard to the emphasis on test scores is prevalent across uh, all the states that we're in that that is. a a common concern. Um, So I just appreciate, though, you know, we'll we'll get them eventually state and federal government to see the Maslow. um, But I, I appreciate your efforts in recognizing
0: that. I really loved how you guys are celebrating kind of the, and acknowledging. I think the challenges that classroom teachers have in implementing what is effectively a new form of schooling. I mean, this Mm -hmm. is almost like a reinvention of American education taking place in real time. I I just kind of reflect on, um, you know, all all of you have been involved in education for, you know, an extended period of time. I I think if you go back over the last 10 to 20 years, what we expect of schools, what we expect of the role of the K-12 public school district when it comes to mental health, fundamentally different now than it was you know 10 years 15 20 years ago and and uh i, I think yeah, finding opportunities to celebrate to acknowledge the difficulty of that transition uh for our classroom teachers for our, our paras for all of our our staff members uh while also celebrating their successes i love how you guys are are doing
2: that and how you describe that so thank you for uh, for sharing that uh, it's an ongoing professional development i mean jeanette keeps busy whether it be with our paras um and her staff working with you know i see the communication all the time where before you know you you have a kid that has an outburst and has to come out of the room a little bit and sometimes you know especially for some of our veteran teachers where that kid cut you know after we get them de-escalated i love that term reset lady (laughs) (laughs) after we get them reset hey Uh you know it isn't like the old days you know we're keeping them out all day we're we're resetting that kid that student and and getting them back into the classroom so it's an ongoing professional development that I see through just emails and some of the conversations that are going on um, whether it be for veteran teachers or even for new teachers um, because I don't know what the colleges are they catching up with the time and that's mm-hmm. probably something you know that we all might have to you know get more involved in are the colleges, you know, addressing some of this at their level, these different, this, this different way we have to go about things.
1: Well, yeah, you're also talking about a mindset change that I think educators have to make, right? That we are, we are uh, still under this impression, like we're not preparing you for the real world. If you have a stand up desk and all this other stuff, right? And that's not true anymore. The real world is changing that people working at Google and a lot of Silicon Valley employers are in flip-flops or they're working remote from Bora Bora. Uh, there's just a lot of accommodations for both mental health and lifestyle that, you know, is happening in current changing in the workforce and so I don't think that's true anymore to say oh we're not preparing you for the real world if we make these concessions or accommodations I think the real world is changing rapidly uh, and so education has to kind of catch up to that too so I appreciate those comments but as we start to wrap up here we have a question we like to ask all of our guests so this is no exception but we want to know what's in your go-to mental health kit what are the things that help you to reset um, you know on a, on a daily or regular basis uh, maybe that's yoga. meditation, running, journaling. I don't know. What does it for you? What what for each of you helps you to reset?
4: Well, I'll I'll share. So there's quite a few things that we do here uh, that I also do for myself. So we most recently... Uh, provided therapy dogs in all of our schools Yay. because we know the research behind that. That the dogs now—it's uh, shown to research that it helps deescalate people. So, uh, a lover of border collies, so my my dogs help me deescalate and take the stress off at the end of the day. Uh, we also use a lot of uh, the the squishy gel, right? That you'll see some of us have at our desk when we're really thinking. You'll see some of us like using the squishy gel to uh, be able to you know, to think through things. And for us, it's, it's never been harder to be an educator, whether you're the superintendent or director of instruction or uh paraprofessional or whatever it is, it's, it's so hard. And we have to recognize that everybody has struggles. And so we, we authenticate people. That's for sure. Very
1: cool. I, I love the, 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 the uh, pet therapy dog. We used to do that when I worked with teen moms, we had a dog named Annie come in. It was like half boxer, half uh Um, oh gosh, what's the little pug? And so, and so, uh, but everybody looked forward to Annie coming and kids who were all tough and hard from Trenton, New Jersey would be like, oh, wooshy, woody, woody, I see you, Annie, and all of that. You start releasing that oxytocin. It's a great day. So I I really appreciate that. Joe and Jeanette, what, what do you, what's in your mental health toolkit? What do you like to do to reset yourselves?
2: Jeanette, start this one. Go ahead. (laughs)
3: Well, I'm an outdoorsy person. So I, you know, I do things like that for myself, but here at school, I think it's been helpful to try to reset. I have a great team, but getting to know them outside of school, you know, in school, you're the school and there's my phone. I apologize. Um, you know, inside of school, you're the school psychologist and everything, but what are you going to do for the weekend? How are your kids? Things like that, to try to connect on a personal level. I think that makes us all um, cognizant that, you know, this isn't all that we do. Um, there's more, you know, more to, you know, to us than than just, you know, the titles that and the responsibilities we have here at school. So I really like to get to know the team and and how everyone's doing.
2: Right, yeah, and uh, and I know Jeanette kind of touched on it, but Carrie, I like that term I the authenticate people. Uh, and I think Jeanette kind of explained that, you know, luckily, you know, you know, Jeanette's been a lifesaver for me and, and took a lot of stress off me when she got here and, and addressed a lot of our needs because of her previous background, she's, she's had some experiences that prove valuable to us in, in the public school setting. Um, you know, so there's a lot of times I need to vent to Jeanette, just venting to her sometimes, you know, it helps. And, um, you know, for me, I know I like still like to run and work out. I, I love the idea of the dogs. We've done that in the in our school too. With some of our t- teaching staff, have their these little dogs or hypoallergenic, and, and we've been open to allowing that. We're actually what tomorrow, Jeanette and her team are going to visit a horse stable that's nearby, Bella Terra. Uh, well, I forget what it's called, Bella Terra or something, but they're going to visit. Mm-hmm the stables there and we're considering how we can use them as a resource as well. And I, I assumed it was riding. It's not even riding the horses. It's just, just around them. being around, taking mm-hmm. care of the horses. So tomorrow that'll be an interesting experience. Unfortunately, I got, I'm going to the, the state football game, but Jeanette and her team will be there to, to see how that would work. That right. The
3: good. equine yeah. therapy. So if we could take kids to that setting it's going to be something really unique
1: this would be a big field trip for you all, but I just heard that there is apparently like a golden retrieval, a golden retriever cuddle farm in like Vermont, where apparently they have like hundreds of golden retrievers and you just go in this field and just get loved up by golden retrievers. So and it's supposed there. to be a really, yeah, a really good reset.
2: Hey, the, the only hug I get at the end of the day is my dog when I get home. So I, and you know
1: what? <laughs> hugging is really important. Again, you need that oxytocin, especially for our young scholars. Um, they require so much oxytocin a day for proper growth and brain development. So just as much as they need a proper diet and sleep, they need oxytocin. And we know that it doesn't come through just affection, but also affection of our words and appreciation of our students, too. So... Love Lainey, it.
4: I read, I read eight seconds in order to release yeah, the right. stress. You have to hug for at least
1: eight seconds. And think about that in our society, we have a couple different hugs, right? We have the one where you kind of stand a little farther apart just to show, I want to be affectionate <laughs> with you. And then we have one, maybe we come a little closer do the, the, the cheek thing. Guys have the shug like, yeah, dog, I love you too, dog. And then we have the one where you the, you got caught off guard and someone pulls you in for a real hug. And those eight seconds are really awkward. But then you get the ninth second. You're like, oh, this, is this is nice. This feels really. <laughs> really good. And I don't think we do that enough, but hopefully yeah. all of us know one hugger in our life. Like I have a couple people I know that
4: they give really good hugs. I used to work with
1: somebody who said, don't even give me a hug if you don't mean it.
0: I, I think yeah. previously there's you're not describing... a lot of
4: hugs that happen here between employees, <laughs> but we do talk a lot with people about not self-isolating when you've had a rough day at work or you've had a rough day in the classroom with students do not go in your classroom and shut the door Mm -hmm. and self-isolate get out and talk to your colleagues go walk down the hall and talk to the guidance counselor go walk and talk to your building principal Don't self isolate and that's been a big message with us too, uh helping teachers understand that we're all in this together. Right? Let's let's join arms together and lock arms and like Red Rover, Red Rover, right? Mm-hmm. Send my social worker right over. Come on over and let's <laughs> help each other out.
0: That's a great, great point. So I think Lane's got a full like classification system for hugs. I want I to hear do. more about this. It's like I a do. like a taxonomy of, of hugging. So uh <laughs> the the bro hug, the hug, the it's true. It, The shug, we the the shake we have hug. The yeah, shug, like that. yeah. That's that's you know,
1: all these different kind of hugs, but that one, that's the one, the one where you get that pulled in, someone holds you close. And it it does take, uh, sometimes I've heard even over eight seconds. So there is an awkwardness at first. You have to tolerate when you break through that toler- tolerance, then um, it feels really good.
0: Well, Carrie and Joe, Jeanette, you've been incredibly generous with your time. So on behalf of everybody listening, just wanted to say thanks for taking time, uh, time out of your Busy days, uh, and just so appreciative of everything that you're doing to support the mental health of your students, of your staff, and of the of the families that you're supporting as well. So appreciate you, and thank you. What's inspired us this week? Lane, why don't we get started with you?
1: What has inspired me? So I'm realizing, I mean, I have great friends and family. I'm very fortunate, but I'm just realizing one of the things I really appreciate about my friends and family is their openness to try new things. And so I have, I was first exposed to getting what's called a sound bath. Are you familiar with the sound bath? No. Oh, it's amazing. No. I'll, I'll turn you on okay. to it too. So uh, will, my will sister- Will it help
0: my lost voice?
1: Won't help your lost voice, but it will really help just calm you. Um, well, let me tell you what it is. Sure. So so a sound bath is, you. Um, you. You may have heard of like those Tibetan singing bowls, maybe the brass bowls. Those are great too. But the sound bath I enjoy is with quartz crystal bowls. So they come in varying sizes. Usually um, the practitioner will sit on the floor surrounded by these large, well, different size bowls. and they play them with a mallet and it's the most beautiful like harmonic sound you've ever heard like like harp like it's just beautiful and it's a, at a certain level of hertz that is supposed to trigger the alpha and theta state of the brain so you get all cozy you bring pillow a blanket lay on a on a um, yoga mat and your should your head should be facing you do this the in the like a yoga
0: studio like, exactly what okay. yeah
1: well you can do it even in someone's home but yes yeah. when i've done it traditionally um it's been like in a yoga studio or even like now they're on right everywhere i, I first got exposed to this in 2015 when I was in Maui. My hippie sister turned me on. And now I'm seeing it everywhere that if you go on Eventbrite in Philadelphia right now, there's an event multiple ones in a weekend for different places you can go get a sound bath. So some of them do offer like light restorative yoga with it too, but sometimes it's just a straight sound bath. And so the feeling that I get anyway is just complete relaxation. It sort of feels like if you've ever had a massage and you get to that point of the massage where you're sort of having an out-of-body experience where you're like, maybe even hear yourself snoring or you're like, you're not awake, but you're not asleep. Well, it kind of puts you in that same kind of trans space, which is uh, again, I'm the reset lady. So it's a true reset for your nervous system. So I find after a sound bath for at least a week, nothing really bothers me things just sort of roll off my back things that would normally be kind of triggering just aren't yeah um and so i appreciate that so anyway back to my friends and family i said to one of my girlfriends who um hadn't seen her in like a month or two and i said oh we should get together do you want to do a sound bath she's like oh that sounds great let's do it and then the next text was what's the sound bath (laughs) i was like i love that you just trusted me i told her what it was she was like oh i'm down and i bought a package for my cousin last year to have a sound bath and um so he said he loved it and now he's willing to to do it again this Very year, cool. so anyway, that's I just awesome. appreciate that I have people in my life who are willing to just try new things with me and go out on a limb, trust me to, totally. to do new experiences.
0: that is great. It's a huge sign of their confidence, kind of in you. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah. So for me, really, it's just the the holidays. I know we try to like not talk about topical stuff, kind of on here, but obviously it's the holiday season right now. You may be listening to this at a point where it's not the holiday season, um, but yeah, I just I, I'm, I'm into the uh, I love the general kind of holiday vibe. I feel like last year was a year that uh, just had so much going on, I felt like I did not get fully absorbed yeah. in the holidays. So I'm really trying to take some time out just you to kind in. of, uh, yeah, I was, yeah, I was doing some work the other night and I you know, I just had the Christmas tree lights on and it kind of freaked my wife out. She came okay. in, she's like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just sitting here in the light of the Christmas tree doing, doing work. And mm-hmm. and so first she was, um, th- this was, I found this to be kind of insulting, she was amazed that I knew how to turn on the Christmas tree. <laughs> Like I, it's it's like a there's like a special button you have to push that's kind of hidden all these cables and I was down there on my hands and knees digging over because that's not usually my role every every kind of marriage has its lanes and uh-huh. turning on the Christmas tree every day is not my lane so uh-huh. so she was very surprised at that which I feel like is something like a third grader should be able to to I mean, figure you're out you're running a
1: major corporation yeah,
0: exactly exactly and I'm like you know give me give me a little bit of credit right I, I understand basic principles of electricity and things like that so but but then but then there was also this surprise that I was Sitting in the light of the christmas tree like i i couldn't just uh uh like like enjoy the the holiday spirit for the sake of the holiday spirit yeah. so so anyhow i'm here to announce that like i am all about the holidays i i, <laughs> I do i do have a you're I, here for it i, I do it. I, I don't have like a, a grinch heart right it's mm-hmm. it, it literally is beating out of my chest like in the in the in the grinch movie and yeah. uh yeah so that's what i'm all all about all yeah. about the holidays. i
1: think you had a channel you know because we think about like the the uh, commercial piece of it and you know how it can just be kind of get bogged down and all that stuff but i think if you channel like those purest memories when you were little like before you maybe knew about santa i hope i'm not ruining anything for our listeners Um, (laughs) but before you knew about santa and all that right um it's like that that pure joy of of being with your family and opening gifts and everyone's excited and the build-up to it maybe did an advent calendar i think that's why having small children around
0: is what makes it really exciting yeah and all, all of my this is the first year you where wonder. all of my kids, uh, are aware that Santa is not a, is not a real thing. So that's been, it's become a, and, and, and then when, you, because yeah. when your kids become teenagers, it becomes very like transactional. It's like, yeah. you know, I feel like my kids spend more time on their Christmas well, my kids list. Picked out everything.
1: He knows yeah. everything. They, they
0: spend yeah. more, more time on their Christmas list than on like 99% mm-hmm. of their school assignments. Right. It could be kind of yeah. like, you know, I, mm-hmm. I have a, you know, I have a senior thesis I need to write or a Christmas list and the Christmas yeah. list is probably getting like a m- little bit more time on that. So.
1: Oh, no, my kid's like, here's exactly what it is. And uh, uh, now I'm turning into one of those parents. It's like, you know, that's part of your Christmas gift. Mom, can we go here and do this thing? You know, that's part of your Christmas. Can I get yeah. this toothbrush? That's part of your Christmas yeah. gift. That's going in your stocking. But you, but
0: you you and I know you're not really like debiting. Like, <laughs> no, the, you know, not you're not really. subtracting off. Like
1: No, oh, I'm not really. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it, it's like one of those dutiful things you say as a parent to like really have them well, you, start you, you, to Because take... you,
0: you got to communicate. They're like, when, when they think it's Santa, <laughs> they're like, oh, Santa and his infinite love. Or Jess, yeah, he just as, everything. like, he's only, he's not limited by dollars. He's limited by the, Capacity of his elves to build more toys. That's <laughs> exactly. the only thing. Like now, when you know it's your parents, it's kind of like, well, they're actually spending cold hard cash on this stuff. Yeah, right? I great.
1: remember my kid said something like that one time. I said, well, "This is a big list for Santa." He goes, "It's okay. It's, He's it's got for it. Santa." Like, got it. it's, yeah. I am so worried. Yeah, yeah about Santa's
0: it. been working on some, you know, <laughs> workshop efficiencies. He's got a logistics expert in there, right? So they got uh, a
1: union. The, yeah. the elves are working it out, right? We
0: got it. got it. All right, <laughs> all Lane. Right. Good to see you. You uh, as well. Thank you to all of our Happy listeners. Happy holidays, uh, everybody. We. hope whether or not you're listening to this pre or post holiday that you either have or had a fantastic holiday. Yes, whatever uh, you celebrate. Yeah. And we'll uh, talk to you uh, on the next episode of the MindBeat podcast. Take care. Bye.
1: The MindBeat podcast is a production of Effective School Solutions. MindBeat represents the opinions of Duncan Young, Lane Whitaker, and their guests on the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. This podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing a standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on this podcast. If you or someone you know is experiencing a mental health crisis, please call the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, the SAMHSA National Helpline at 1-800-662-HELP or your local healthcare provider.